Well, there you have another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, Audio Medicine by Green Zone Hero. This former Navy U.S. SEAL has an incredible story. This is probably one of the most heart-rendering stories that we've had. It is packed full of wisdom. There's some tears in this one. It's a story that you need to hear about overcoming lots of things. One of the things that uh, Marvin Gonzo Gonzalez has in common with me is we're two veterans that both made that call to that hotline. And you know the one that we're talking about, the one for crisis. Listen to this one all the way through. You're not going to be let down. And thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio. We really appreciate it. Your steely-eyed killer shadow in the night You were born to fight You gotta light em up My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. Our veteran guest for this episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio is a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL, and I've been trying to get this guy for a while. We linked up through a, a common Special Forces soldier. Gonzo does some pretty cool things for veterans uh, who have lost their lives primarily to suicide. We'll talk a little bit more about that. His name is Marvin Gonzo Gonzalez. He was born and raised on Long Island. His family originally was from El Salvador, having escaped the Civil War activities going on down there. And like so many other Americans who served, you know, he was greatly influenced and impacted by the World Trade Center and what happened on 9-11. Prompted Marvin to head on down to the Navy recruitment office and, and enlist. Uh, but he did a lot of things, you know, in the Navy. Probably the greatest thing he did was join the Navy SEALs. And after his Navy SEAL training, everybody knows what the Navy SEALs go through. It is probably the most hardcore uh, military training anywhere on the face of this planet. He was assigned to SEAL Team 8. We're going to talk a little bit about that. He had deployment to Yemen. He had a deployment to Africa. Uh, he went to some places, did some missions in the defense of our great nation, uh, was honorably discharged from active duty. In 2012, he's been doing some things in the tri-state area up in New York, has a family with three three children, uh, two sons and a daughter. Gabriella is his oldest, and Joseph and Jeremy. He's married to Joanna. He's got lots of awards hanging on that Navy uniform. Uh, I just want to say that I'm proud and honored to have you, Gonzo, on Straight Out Combat Radio. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Yeah, man. It's nice to have you here, and I'm not, and I'm not smoking and joking. Gonzo and I have been trying to uh, to get together for several months now. We had lost a special forces friend in our network in February of this year, and Gonzo really took the time out of his out of his busy day to create these flags with the stripe in remembrance. And that's kind of how I met Gonzo. He his heart and soul is with the warriors that we continue and warriorettes that we continue to lose. Um, he's up in New York now. He's surviving COVID as best they can. His family's intact. They're all safe. In fact, he's got Gabriella with them with him right now. And so if you hear her, uh, it's all good. You know, we're not, uh, we're not doing anything too out of the ordinary as a father. Let me ask you this, Gonzo. Tell us a little bit about the Gonzalez household 
and what it was like growing up on Long Island and with parents that had fled a nation that had been involved in a bloody civil war. What was that like, man? Yeah, growing up, it was very strict in, in regards to, it was a very traditional setting. You know, my dad, he, he worked, my mom took care of uh, my brother and I. They just followed the traditions pretty much that they had back at in El Salvador. Um, my mom ran the home front. My dad just was a provider. You know, he uh, he's still in the business, concrete. He did construction and he still does it till this day. And, um, and, you know, he just, uh, his main thing was respect, you know, in, in the Hispanic community, respect is always huge. So I remember I got a lot of that, the, hey, respect your elders, you know, and be somebody of integrity and, and just, you know, carry yourself in a way that that's honorable, that you will not stain the family name. I guess that's a, a good way of putting it. Those value sets these days, you know, seem like at times, like they're still not there and it's very inspirational to hear that, you know, that's the way your family raised your brother and you. And those value sets, obviously, I know that when you were doing that Navy SEAL training, probably had a lot to do with your success there. But so so tell us about, you know, what kind of things were you doing in high school, man? So when I, I played wrestling and soccer, I liked wrestling because to me, it was like, man, this is the closest thing I'll get to a fight without getting in trouble. <laughs> and, <laughs> I hear you, man. And I grew up in a small town. The first one we lived there for until I, I was about five years old, and then uh, there was a there was a uh, a huge brawl where they um, they jumped my dad and they attacked him. And uh, it was Fourth of July weekend, and they flipped over our car and they took my brother and I out of the car just in time. And it was um, it was bad, you know. There was a lot of drugs being sold in the area, and uh, the individual. I guess wanted to sell my dad some cocaine and, and my dad, you know, he didn't want it and push came to shove. And then, you know, they started throwing blows. So the guy, the, the drug dealers, like friends saw it and they jumped in and, you know, my dad did whatever he could to protect his family, you know? And then in the process, we got our car flipped over and it just got really crazy. So he didn't want us growing up in that type of environment. So we packed up shop and we went, uh, south of Long Island to by the beach. Um, and there was this little town called Island Park. And during that time, it was really mostly Italian and Irish that lived there. And not many Hispanic families were there. I guess I was like maybe one out of five Hispanic families that were there. And it was awesome growing up. I made great friends. We still keep in touch today. And, and it's funny because when I was active, I had a heavy, like, Italian Guido accent. <laughs> and people were like, are you Italian? <laughs> That's awesome, but, man. Yeah. You know, but growing up, I just kept my nose clean. I did what I had to do. Was a little rebellious here and there with my buddies. Just, uh, but nothing to the point where, you know, cops were getting involved or, or like gang activity or like nonsense like that. You know what I mean? And, you know, we were just kids, you know, we played our sports and, and when we trained, we trained hard and, and knowing that we were from a small town and we're going up against all these other towns here in Long Island, you know, you, you could sense when you go into a different school and it's a, from a different district where you could see the money where it goes yeah. and, and they yeah. look at you and they look down on you. And, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, all right, well, you know what? I'm here to kick your ass and I'm going to do that. So. You know, it was a good feeling when you would go up against these other, 
you know, richy rich neighborhoods, you just beat the shit out of them and, and you come on top. So. Well, you know, and that's cool because, you know, that sport of wrestling, we're not talking about the, the wrestling you see on TV. I don't want to disrespect any professional wrestling enthusiasts. Oh, but, no, it was collegiate, collegiate. But we're talking about the the, the, uh, the roots, the real wrestling. And um, that's kind of cool the way you say it like that. So, you know, you go into all these neighborhoods, you're beating the snot out of kids. And, and it, it's just nice to hear that. You know, what's cool about that is that, again, we go back to roots, man. We go back to values and core values and you know, a lot of people don't give a lot of people in the Hispanic communities, you know, that type of dignity and respect. And, you know, these are why we have to tell stories like this, Marvin, because they do have the same core value sets that, you know, whites or blacks or others that 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 demonstrate that. It's not even really about the nationalities or the skin. It's about the people, man. And I just I love to hear stories like that because that's really what America is all about. You know, my dad's parents were from Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. He grew up like in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know he was he was a tough Pittsburgh guy, right? And he grew up in his own neighborhood, and kind of the same thing. If you went over into like the Russian neighborhood, you got the snot kicked out of you. If you went over to the Irish yeah. neighborhood, that's just the way it was. And my my dad decided to move out of Pennsylvania because he wanted something different for his family. And shoot, man, I grew up on the west coast of Florida. I was a beach guy. I never saw any of that. But he did raise us with values like your dad did. And, and I'm, you know, kudos to your mom and dad for coming to America, which is tough to do anyways. And then to grow up in neighborhoods that are somewhat looked down upon at times. And and God bless you, man. And God bless them. So yeah. So what happens, man? So 9-11 happens. And what are you guys thinking in New York? So I was in ninth grade English class when that happened. From my town, you could see the skyline. And uh, it was nothing but a, a, a black cloud of smoke that you could see. And, you know, when the, when the smoke starts clearing out, it's all gray and hazy and whatnot. And, and uh, it hit me hard, especially because friends that I went to school with, some of them lost both parents, one parent, a relative, and it, it was crazy. And, you know, we're hearing all the fire trucks and coming from Long Island that went to the city to go aid. And it's just chaos going outside. And we're like, what the hell's going on? Uh, and then next thing you know, they just told everybody to go home. My fa- my dad was actually doing a, a construction job a block away from oh, wow. ground zero. And and it worried me because I was like, shit, is he, is he over there? And um, Turns out that day they uh, they didn't go to work for some reason. And when I got home, I see him, and he goes, "Hey, you see what's going on on television?" And I, I just remember I just I just gave him a big hug because I was happy to see him. You know, he could have been killed, man. Yeah, yeah, for real. During that time, believe it or not, I was working at a bar. <laughs> My buddy, his family owned this bar and restaurant, and you know they're Italian, so you know the family's running the business from the youngest member of the family to the most senior. So, you know, uh, I remember I was working with him there in the summer and I was a bar back. So I was just doing whatever the bartender needed. Hey, I need a, a bottle of this. I need ice. I need beer. I need this. So I was just running back and forth to getting that for him at the age of 13. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> so, making bucks you know, though, I, I making some money. Stuff. Yeah, I, I did. I did. You know, I remember one time I heard uh, my parents arguing about making ends meet. So the walls were thin and, and I was in the room with my brother and, and it was tough because my brother had cerebral palsy. So 
you know, when you have a, a child that has special needs, especially like cerebral palsy, you know, it just, uh, it, it makes, it, it throws another, it makes it difficult. Yeah. So especially with resources uh, and language barrier, um, you know, when, when there's no bridge to, to get over that, you know? And yeah. anyway, so I took it upon myself. I asked my buddy for, for a summer job and, and he goes, well, you're going to be working for me um, with my uncle. So his uncle ran the bar and there I was working for him. And uh, I remember when I made my first amount of money, I gave it to my dad and I'm like, Hey, this is for the bills. And, you know, I just wanted to be my dad's right-hand man, you know, help him out. So I, I ran with that job for like five years until it was my time to go into the Navy. But it hit me hard because one of the bartenders there was a firefighter and he got killed on 9-11. And when we heard the news, you know, it devastated the whole place because we were basically a family, you know, at that place. You know, I was there from 13 all the way till I was 18 working, you know, so every summer, you know, um, the, you know, they, uh, one of the bartenders told me, he's like, hey, man, he's like, you were just a puppy when I saw you. And now you're, you are this killing machine <laughs> right. and, I'm like, <laughs> and uh but you know i learned i learned uh, that was a different school for me i learned a lot of stuff i saw a lot of things that a 13 year old shouldn't see i was exposed to a lot of things and it was the nightlife boy, Dad. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> at the end at the end of the day you know um i i took it with a grain of salt and i and i ran with everything that i learned from that place and and the things that my parents taught me and i just you know i kind of had to make my own decisions later down the road so when you decided to join the Navy, what, what would your mom and dad say? Well, my dad, he, he told me, he's like, I guess it's time we're going to have the talk. So he got a six pack of beer and then we sat down and he talked. And I remember he was telling me stories from what happened in El Salvador. And in El Salvador, there were uh, SF units advising and also SEALs advising. So, you know, he, he knew where I was going at as far as what community I wanted to serve in. So. He just told me, he's like, hey, man, you know, whatever you do, just give it everything you got. You know, um, at the end of the day, you're going to do your decision. You're old enough to, to sign the dotted line. So it doesn't matter what I think, but I'm just going to give you my two cents. And then he just kind of gave me the pep talk and, and he just told me, you know, just give it my absolute best. And, and that when I'm there, you know, to give it everything. My mother, obviously, she did not want me going because she would watch the news and she would see what they would post. So you know how it is. You know, people see all the, the chaos and stuff or whatever they could put on the news and, yeah. and they make their decisions from there. So a mother's going to be a mother, man. And, you know, mine, she didn't want me to go. But in the end, when I went, she just respected it. That's all. So you're off to the Navy, man. You're telling all your buds yep. goodbye. And then uh, tell us about, you know, indoctrination into the U.S. Navy, the world's finest Navy. What was going on in your head? So when I was there, I remember the recruiter, he picked me up. I, I saw my brother. I gave him a hug and a kiss. And I told him, uh, you know, um, be in touch. I didn't know what to expect. You know, it's just, uh, you know, this is the first time I'm, I'm leaving home, you know. So left the house. And when I got in the car, I just told him, just drive. I didn't even look back. When we get there, I see the recruiters yelling, get off the bus. You know, you go to, to where the footprints are. You stand at attention. And you're just following the directions of what they tell you. And it was funny because I'm, I'm linked up with all these guys that are from Brooklyn, Bronx, from all the other boroughs, and they acting all hard. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Bronx. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, yeah, well, welcome to the Navy. That doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it, man. I get and, it. Yeah. But, you know, basic, you know, we did. We did basic. I, I had a, a solid crew. Mine actually was integrated. They had females mixed with 
with the males in, in our division. Obviously, the, the sleeping quarters, they were different. But, you know, when we worked, we worked together. Uh, so that was so that was something different that, that they decided to do. Uh, there was some drama, just bullshit drama. You know, oh, this is my Navy girlfriend. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, we got our asses beat for it, you know. But once we pushed that out of the way and moved forward, you know, I advanced and, and went through further training. Uh, I was focused on, on obviously being a SEAL, so I kept going that route. I, I went through uh, the apprenticeship training for a gunner's mate. Back in the day, you needed to have a SEAL-rated job in order to get the contract to, to be a SEAL. So, so I chose gunner's mate. I didn't score high enough on the ASVAB to get the contract. So, you know, I, I went the other route where basically you get a job that's related to what the SEALs do in the community, and then from there you can apply. So I did that when it was time for me to retake my ASVAB. On my off time, I would go to the Navy College Learning Center, and I was basically uh, preparing myself to retake the ASVAB so I could get a contract. And when it was my time to do the exam, my proctor from the apprenticeship school, he cut me orders to go to the fleet. So I didn't even get a chance to take the ASVAB. So I was a bit upset because... I, I did all this work to t- retake this exam for, you know, to, to do the process. And then I'm getting cut orders to go to the fleet. And now I'm on, I'm going to be on the Navy's time. You know, God knows how long I'm going to be at this command for and will they let me go? And, and, you know, just a bunch of stuff started running through my mind, but you take it with a grain of salt and, and you know what, man, uh, went to the fleet and, it was it was a it was an awesome time. I got to to learn what the real Navy was about. I did a deployment, and I did various exercises that involved you know leaving port and and just preparing uh, the ship for when it when it travels on deployment. We were actually attached with the Eleventh Marine Expeditionary Unit out of Camp Pendleton, so we were five hundred Navy personnel and fifteen hundred Marines on this deployment. And this was the last one that the ship made. So after this deployment, I actually put in my package to go to Bud's because I was able to pick and choose where I wanted to go to next. Gonzo, what year was that? 2006, 2005, 2006 timeframe. So I had a, I had to wait for the, for the ship to, you know, have a decommissioning ceremony and whatnot. And, and then, uh, yeah, I checked into Bud's March 27th, 2007, and I was with Class 265. There you go. You're off the Bud's then. So, you know, yep. a, a well-storied location, Coronado. And yep. um, you arrived there, and what's going on, man? Tell us about that transition. So once I was there, you see the difference between the guys that, that got that Navy contract and just went straight from boot camp to Bud's, and then you see the other guys that were from the fleet. You know, so they, they look at you differently, you know, because you, you got a taste of the actual Navy. You got some salt underneath your belt. You know what I mean? And, and um, so it's like, hey, you know, you're, you're at a new command. Just just do what you got to do and and, um, and work together with the class. And, you know, it's a, it's a big gut check, you know, because there are some evolutions where, yes, you're going to be with your boat crews. You're going to be doing stuff, you know, but. The end of the day, you know, each individual has to seriously give themselves a gut check as to why you're there. Obviously, put out, and in the end, you know what? It's the best 
I remember a buddy of mine put it, he goes, man, we got the best job in the world right now. We're getting paid to do this. We're getting paid to work out. We're getting paid to do these runs and, and the yo courses, you know, and, and, you know, one of the guys was saying, yeah, remember, remember what that guy said? It was temporary discomfort for a lifetime of glory. So, yeah, you know, you, you always had to, you always had to find a way to, to prepare yourself mentally to just make it through the evolution and to just get ready for the next one, you know, because it's nonstop. You know, it's nonstop. So let me ask you this, Gonzo. So can you think of one one time in, um, you know, in Bud's training, you know, obviously the people were dinging the bell like crazy, probably making you guys wonder. But can you think of one instance where you just went, where it just crystallized for you and you say, holy, holy crap, now I know why I'm here and this is why I'm doing this. Was there anything that happened specifically? You know, you just hear the instructors when, when they talk about their stories about, you know, what they've done overseas and, and they go to these places, man, when they telling you this stuff that that's from, from the heart, you know, and this is like, Hey man, this is like no shit for real. You know, you hear the stories about all these heroes that, that are just like, these are the guys that you want to be, you know? Um, I started thinking about the people that I care about back at home. The fact that guys like Joe Hunter, the firefighter that I knew that ran into the buildings and didn't come out, but he saved, you know, I don't know how many people he saved, but, you know, I did it for guys like him. You know, I did it for guys like my brother who had cerebral palsy, who was either in bed or in a wheelchair, couldn't do anything for himself. You know, I wanted to do something. And and because I love this country. This is my country, dude. You know, I'm going to protect it tooth and nail, no matter what. And, um, and knowing that I was going through that, that training with all these guys that were like-minded, you know, that they were all seeking the same goal at the end is to be a Navy SEAL. You know, what more can you ask, you know? And I remember there, there was one time during, during Hell Week where, you know, they asked me, you know, why do you want to do this? You know, why do you want to be in, in the teams? And everybody's going through, you know, either some of them were saying a joke and they would hit the surf. The instructor would be like, hit the surf. One of them was Asian. So one of the guys in my boat crew, he goes, it's true about us Asians. And he shows his pinky <laughs> and, and he got sent to hit the surf, you know, cause the instructor was Filipino and he goes, Oh hell no. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, the morale, man. It's just, uh, ah, uh, it was, it was great. But you know, when it <laughs> came time to, to, to keep it real, you know, um, I shared, you know, like what I shared with you and, and as to why I wanted to do it. And, and also, you know, you know, what happened on 9-11, that shouldn't have happened. So obviously you, it's like somebody does a ruckus in your house. They ain't going to get away with it, you know? So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so you, you, you earn the trident takes you, it's probably, it's over a year of training, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with me, I was a knucklehead. So, you know, I didn't make it first time every time with many things. I got, I got rolled back because of uh, performance. I couldn't stabilize during jump school on my, on my exam. So, you know, three tries, you know, if you don't make it, hey, you got to continue with the next class and, and you go through remedial training and whatnot. So uh, it took me longer to get to the team. So. How did you feel, man, uh, when you got the you know, Trident? How did you feel? You know, I just, uh, it, it was incredible. I felt honored. I felt, I, I just had like a, a flashback of everything that I had gone through to get there. And I, I just, I knew it was worth it, you know, every, everything. And I was just like, you know what? Hey, now it's just, uh, it's go time. 
Did your mom and dad go to graduation? Uh, no, my mother, uh, she was home with my brother because she was taking care of him. Yeah. Uh, my, my dad was able to, to go out with my sister and my little nephew. So they were able to, to see it. That's pretty cool, man. So tell us about your first deployment when you finally made it to a team and, and what, what was that like? So my first deployment, I, I did a lot of uh, training with the counterterrorism unit of that country. And we were there doing foreign internal defense training. So we did uh, advising. You know, it was my first one and I made my mistakes and uh, I learned from them. I owned them. I moved forward. But I also found ways to, to make myself better. You know, when I was over there, I, I learned how to speak Arabic. So when it came time to, you know, performing, you know, there was times when I didn't even interpret, you know, I was able to get the point across and, and, and run the firing line with no interpreter. So guys that were running stuff in the house, you know, they, they had more, more bodies to, to help out. And, and you know what, man, we excelled. We crushed deployment. And we made it happen. And it was good knowing that, hey, you know, hey, all right, so this is what I, this is what I got. You know, my platoon got split up. Some guys, they got sent to um, Afghanistan and, and some guys got split up and got sent to uh, uh, someplace out in, uh, in Iraq. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. You know, after that, it sucked when I got back home because that was my first glimpse of reality when it came to losing a teammate. I was flying back and we were in Greece when we landed and um buddy of mine got an email and he goes, Hey, do you know he said a couple names and and the thing is uh they died in a helicopter crash up in Afghanistan. I just remember that when I graduated training uh, when I got my trident, I saw those guys there, you know, and and then now they're I'm like, what? You know, this is unbelievable. You know, I just saw them. You know, how how could it be? but they were doing combat operations over there and it hit home. You know, you grow bonds with these individuals that, you know, you didn't even grow up with them, but you just create such a strong bond with them that, you know, you, it's a family member that you lost. So it, it really it hit home for me. Yeah. You know, I can't, you know, even imagine, and that's probably the toughest, that's the, the, the toughest is the downside of losing your, your mates. And, you know, you, you deployed three combat areas, Columbia, and Africa and Yemen. Yeah. You know, during those times, you know, they were hostile areas. You know, thank God, dude. Honestly, man, my deployments, they, they were solid. You know, we did we did what we had to go do, but I wasn't in any firefights or any sort of speaker, right? Just to clear it up. You know, I did a lot of vid and advising on my deployments. I did a PSD down in Colombia. It was awesome. You know, but it was it was solid work, man. Work is work. You know, everyone was different. Everyone had had bullets that I could take from it that were learning points for me for growth and to better myself. And, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, when it was time to to punch out, you know, it was my time to, to go, you know. Well, looking back on it now, Gonzo, would you do it all over again? Yeah, I still got piss and vinegar going through my veins. I can go again. <laughs> That's good to hear, man. So tell us about then... You know, thank God, you know, you made it back and, you know, sorry about anybody that you knew that we've lost. We've lost so many. And uh, obviously the Navy SEAL mission, regardless of what team you're on, is instrumental to the success of, of us, you know, overseas. So, 
you know, your your value to to the overall mission is without question. You know, thank you for 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 that. And um, so, tell us about you know, you got an honorable discharge, you're getting out, you're getting back into the world, so to speak. Tell us a little bit about your transition. So, this is where it's going to get heavy. My transition was not easy. I hit the bottle a lot. I was unemployed my first year because things weren't falling into place the way I wanted to. When I left the Navy, I kind of left with a bitter taste in my mouth, you know. Um, I wish some things could have been different. And I was living in the past a lot. Moving forward, you know, when, when, um, when I was back in New York, it was one of the toughest challenges I've ever, I've ever had to do. Especially knowing that at one moment in my life, I'm jumping out of airplanes, I'm, I'm doing all this train, I'm doing all this cool, cool stuff, man, you know? And the next one, I'm in line outside of a Home Depot looking for work. Yeah. And I'm standing next to you in the town that was where that occurred. There was a lot of guys from El Salvador, from Honduras and Guatemala. Many of them didn't have papers. You know, so anybody that passes by, they'd probably be like, oh, he's he's an immigrant that's looking for work or anything, but never in a million years would they think that me was a Navy SEAL guy. Yeah. That's gotta be tough, man. I mean, it's like one minute you're you're you got mission, you got purpose, you're doing some hardcore stuff, and then the next minute you're back out in the world. There are a lot of people don't really even give a shit, it seems like sometimes. So yeah, yeah you know, um, so yeah, I remember I hit the bottle pretty hard and then on my one year anniversary, I woke up in a hospital because I got alcohol in my body and I had to throw up when I was um, at the train station. I fell into the train tracks. Yeah. I uh, was puking so hard, my, my legs gave out and I just, uh, I just fucking went head first, went in. Who pulled you out, man? I don't even know, some stranger, man. I don't even fucking know, man. And uh, when I walked down from that platform, I lost my footing on the stairwell and I just fucking hit the sidewalk. Next thing you know, paramedics came in and, and I woke up in the hospital. Uh-huh. So it's not the pretty picture that you know many want to hear, but the reality is shit happens. Shit happens, man. When, and, you, married it, when you married it this time? No. I met Joanna after. And um, so you're laying there you know, in the hospital. Just, what the hell are you thinking? You, you, that was definitely the bottom of, of the of the abyss, man. What I was thinking about was, what am I going to do to be better? What am I going to do to get myself out of this mental stick that I'm in? You know, because like you said, I had purpose, and and it happens with with many of us. But I'll I'll speak for myself. When I got out, I was like, what's my purpose? That's one of the biggest questions. What's my purpose? What, you know, what, what's the whole point of me doing all this? And then I have nothing to show for it now that I'm back. You know, I just little by little, I found the job. I took my brother to the hospital one day and his roommate in the hospital room worked at the marina. And he goes, hey, they're looking for divers. So I went and I interviewed and the guy... What he did was he scraped the barnacles off the bottom of the boat of the that were out there in, in, in the marinas in North Shore, Long Island. And I needed a job, man. So 
I was just like, fuck it, I'll do it. So there I am in a little dinghy whizzing up and down the marina and I'm scraping the barnacles off of the boats. And I had some clients that were very wealthy individuals that honestly, I was disgusted with how they behaved. And all I thought about was sinking their ship or their boat, whatever the hell they had out there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a subversive, man. Yeah. I yeah. get it. And, and, um, and then from there, you know, I just, um, I was like, you know what, man, I'll do what, do the best that I can. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll do my job to the best of my ability, man. What more can you ask? When diving season was over, took care of my brother. I became a homemade. I went to the agency that that um, that took care of my brother and I. My my parents they qualified for a program where a relative could take care of the individual. So mm-hmm. I took care of my brother from uh, seven p.m. to seven a.m. seven days a week, and it was for a total of like three months. Um, you know, my brother's condition got worse as the years went on. And uh, I'm just grateful, though, because you know what? He looked out for me during that time. I needed a job, and I took care of him and kept me out of trouble. And, you know, I was able to spend time with them that I didn't get to have with him when I was active. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I took care of him. How old was he? How old was your brother? How old was he? He was, uh, he was 29. He was 10 days shy of his 30th birthday when he died. So was he your, he was your older brother? Yeah, I'm the youngest. Yeah. That's tough, man. I uh, thank you for doing that. You know, God puts us on this planet to do things and that was your mission right there, man. So when um when this is all going on, you know, I applied to commercial dive school down in New Jersey and I went there. It's five month long training. And when I was in the middle of training, um my mother gave me a phone call and told me that hey i think you should come up and i already knew what she meant and and during the time that i took care of him um as the homemade you know i shared with my brother everything i got it off my chest yeah and you know what that was uh that was so helpful for me because to unload that burden that I carried, you know, I didn't get judged. You know, I just, I got nothing but love in return. And uh, we carry this shit for so long, anything, shame, guilt, whatever. And I know I carried that for a while. And um, when, uh, when I was in the middle of a, uh, uh, commercial dive training and I came up here for that weekend uh, my my brother he uh, he wasn't going to make it and I knew it and uh, on the day that he passed I just remember uh, I said some final words to him and, and I told him I loved him my sister was in the room and she was trying to get a pulse and she's like I don't know how to use this thing can you help and I used the little pulse socks thing and I put it on his finger. It read error. His pulse was so low. And he was just hanging on because my parents were doing doing final rounds at the funeral home. And then uh, I just told him, you know, just hang in there. Just a little longer. And then my, 
my parents showed up, you know, my mom and my dad, they made a straight line for, for his room. And yeah. we were in the room, my mom cradled him and my dad was in the middle and my sister was to my dad's right. And I just spread my arms open and as if I was a blanket and I just hugged them all together. Yeah. And my mom just, uh, she was saying a prayer, thanking God for the time we had him. And, and when she closed it, you know, he, uh, he gave his last breath. What was your brother's name? Christian. Yeah. Thank you for I mean, sharing that, man. That's, uh, God bless you know, him, uh, man. <laughs> you know, we learn a lot from the, from, from people in our lives and, uh, Sometimes when we're in those places, we don't even really realize the, the strength that we grow from stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and uh, the cool thing about all of that story is that it shows the amazing strength and the power of love. And the amazing thing that, you know, being in a situation and in a family that's not judgmental. And I got to tell you, man, um, it's not easy to talk about those things. You know, we've all got, the, you know, I've had that talk about some of the shit that I've been through and doesn't make it any easier. It just gets different, you know? Yeah. But, uh, Christian loved but, you, man. And, and, uh, you did everything that you had to do to make his life better. And that's something that, that can, that nobody can take away from any of you guys. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I just yeah. remember it, that, my mother, right before, it was on the last day of, of the funeral. She um, she was like, hey, could you put your uniform on to honor him? And granted, the last time I put my uniform on was to take a picture. A, a buddy of mine, right before I was getting out, he was like, hey, let me take a picture of you in your uniform. It's always good to have these. I was like, all right. And... Um, you know, I, so I go and, and you know, the thing is, uh, I was talking to my buddy Joe and I was like, you know, we wore uniforms for more funerals than anything else, you know? So it sucked. But at that, that funeral, we got so many people that came to show support to my family and I was eternally grateful for it, you know? Yeah. But I didn't want them to remember my brother as somebody that didn't live a good life or, oh, feel so sorry for him because he had cerebral palsy, you know? So I just remember I took the floor and I piped up and I was just like, Hey man, this is who he was. This is what he did for me. And, uh, you know, uh, I just, cause I didn't want nobody to, to just remember my brother as like a little kid who just had cerebral palsy and had a bad life. So I said what I said and it was powerful stuff, man. I don't even know where it came out of. It just happened. Gonzo, it's your soul, brother. It came straight from the heart of your soul. And uh, you know, that's a story that needs to be told. And it's a story that's very powerful. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I'm humbled to hear it and uh, and grateful for this time that you've given us on this show. Um, yeah. Tell us about. Tell us about your family now. My family now. You know, they've taught me a great deal. Love, compassion, patience. 
um, to be brave. A lot more, but I, I, I specifically said those for a reason. My wife taught me how to love because for many years, I was very angry, many angry with some of my teammates, with uh, other people that I let into my life. And uh, I felt that, you know, they did me wrong. I learned to forgive and let go. I learned to, for it to be okay if you're scared. Because in the moments in which you're scared, that's when you become brave. My wife, uh, we lost our first child. So I had to be brave and be the companion she needed to help her get through that. Yeah. From there, you know, um, I saw her as my teammate and I take care of her like that. I'm always there no matter what. I learned uh, patience because a relationship requires patience. I learned um, humility. And, uh, oh, man, so much, so much. My kids, they definitely teach me patience. <laughs> no it's doubt. not easy. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, um, those lessons that, to me, I, I harness them and I run, you know, I'm like, hey, I know I've made my mistakes, some bigger than others. But you know what? I own each and every one of them. I paid my dues and I made and I moved forward. And now I'm just somebody that's raising a family. I'm providing for them. And I'm putting my, myself in a position to be of service to others. And, uh, you know, my family now, we got what we need. We have what we need. And, uh, in, you know, it's just, uh, it's a small little tribe. You know, I got Joseph who's two. You know, he has his little temper tantrums and I'm, I'm just like, well, I'm looking at him. He's just a little child. He's a little kid, you know. He doesn't know how to express a lot of his things. And I got to be patient to understand that and to, to show him a way to do it in a better way. Yeah. My daughter, she's four. You know, there are times when she does things and it upsets me, but I can't talk to her like if she was somebody from my platoon, like, what the fuck you doing, dickhead? You know, <laughs> because it's detrimental to her. Yeah, you know. Uh, and then Jeremy, he's five months. I look at him and this kid smiles and he uplifts my spirit. They all do. But the little guy, you know, I could have a shitty day and I just see him and he smiles, you know, and it's just, uh, he pulls on my beard. <laughs> you, can't you, you know, and, and my wife told me, learn to live in the now. Learn to do that. This whole time we've been on lockdown, COVID-19 epidemic, everything. I'll tell you, I cannot complain about the abundance of time I've spent with my kids. 
It's awesome, man. And you know what? One thing that sticks out in my mind, it's so important during this time, is exactly what you just described, family. How important it is to have those people that we uh, that we really appreciate and love to have them in our AO, so to speak, and you know, and and be able to rely on them, and for them to be able to rely on us. Family is everything, man. You know, whether you and, have uh, a, a blood family, or whether you're in an organization, or a business, or any kind of thing that we're doing as a group, it's a, it's about the family. Um, you know. What do you want? What do you, what do you want civilian world to know about veterans, especially combat veterans? What would you want them to know? That there's more to the surface, you know. To really don't 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 treat them like you're they're, like they're your trophy, you know. They're human beings. They feel things, sometimes more intense than others. They've been through stuff. Some of it, it's not, you know, stuff to be proud of. But sometimes some civilians, they don't get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and, know exactly uh, what you mean. And, and, you know, they'll throw stuff like, oh, he, well, that must be PTSD. Or, or, like they throw, like sometimes they just throw all this stuff and it's like, listen, you have no idea. You have no idea. So watch what you say. You know, the tongue has the power to give life and death. Yeah. You know, your words. I'm a sensitive guy. You know, I, I, I own that. I learned to accept that I am a sensitive man. So certain words, they trigger me. And, and you know what? It took a lot of soul searching and and you know what i'll tell you man i had to take a deep look in the mirror i had a that, that was my biggest battle is the man in the mirror i definitely can agree to that man you know and and i'm the same i'm in the same tribe you're in i'm, I'm a sensitive man and uh and it's okay I, I know exactly what you mean when when certain words can trigger you and emotional sets you know it it, it, it uh there is nothing wrong with it you know you definitely definitely shown that um you know marvin if there's like but, a if there's like a mm-hmm. um if there's a somebody like a transitioning veteran out there who's like in a in a bad place like an abyss you know you as a person and a former um, navy seal what what kind of advice would you give to them if they're in a, if they're in a little shitty place? if they're in a bad place listen i've been there too and i know I know what it's like to be in a dark place, but I reached out for help. I came to terms and I said, enough is enough. And I'm tired. I'm done. I want a better life. How do I get there? I had a, I had to make a phone call and I know what it's like to pick up that thousand pound phone, but I did it. I was scared. But we're warriors at the end of the day. Doesn't matter what branch of service you joined. We are, you're not the only one that's gone through what you're going through. But learn how to destroy your ego, your pride. And it's okay to be vulnerable and just expose yourself so that you can get the help that you need. Because I had to do that. I had all this 
I guess you can say armor that was built around my heart. And I had, I had a heart that was a rock because it took me time to learn how to just let go of that stuff. I learned to forgive. Yeah. I learned to love. I moved on. I paid my dues and I moved on. And you know what? I am at my best. I did ask for help. And you know what? It was the best thing I did. Many that don't ask for it, they go down deeper into the rabbit hole and they don't come back. Don't be that person. Shit, reach out to me if you need to. That's definitely great advice. I've had many do it. Yeah. That's, um, I've had many do it. Definitely. Because. Yeah. You know, I was one of those guys. You, that, yeah. I picked up the 5,000 pound phone too. I was one of the guys that made that call too. So I, I totally get it. And for you to be able to, to, to tell the story and to continue, you know, on a mission now to help others is uh, admirable. And it's so like, it's, it's badly needed still, even in today's yeah. world. Um, do you have a, I recommend. Yeah. And I recommend uh, learn how to take care of yourself, self-care. And I'm not talking going a happy hour. I'm going to have a couple of drinks to help me feel better. I put the bottle down, right? I had my last hoorah. I had my last hoo moment. And, um, and you know what? It, it, it could have been bad. But you know what, man? I know what's at stake. And uh, I know that uh, I'm worth it. I know my family deserves better. And everybody that I encounter with, they deserve the best version of me. So that's why I made that move. But at the very first thing, one of the toughest things that I had to do, I had to forgive myself. When you, when you could do that as like one of the first steps, learn to forgive yourself and really take care of yourself, love yourself. You're, you're in the right direction. You're definitely going to go there. But it doesn't, it doesn't happen easily, man. And that's the problem that with guys in our communities, they don't do it. Whether it's pride, it's shame. Answer to me this. How come is it that we're so willing to go run into a burning fire and help out whoever needs help? But when it comes to us, no, I'm all right. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'll be all right. Hmm? Yeah a great question we that, need to ask for sure and and the thing is you know what that that ha that was me for a really long time that was me and then out of nowhere it's like you know what and i would get pissed off when my wife would tell me how come you're trying to do everything you know you're not superman when are you gonna get it and and that really got under my skin it really did but the truth of the matter is no i'm not superman I may be to my kids, and that's awesome and stuff. But you know what? You got to learn how to pick and choose your battles. You got to learn to be real, and just and and learn to say no. There are times when you cannot do anything. You can't help, and you know, hey, it's it's okay. You're not a bad person for saying no. But I know that I always try to please everybody, and that's exhausting. Hmm. Yeah, I was in, I was in that same yes club for most of my life, and uh, even now, you know, Marvin, I just had my birthday, and even at freaking sixty one years, thank you, man, sixty one years old, I don't feel like it, but I, 
I'm I'm now learning after all these flipping years because of all the stuff that you know I had to go through with when I was a kid. But I'm finally learning how to say no. So yeah, I hear you, Lima Charlie. Um, yeah. Let me but ask you this: Do you have a go for it? Do you have a um, like a daily mantra that you live with every day when you get up, like a code that you live by? Uh, I've had a couple, I've had a couple, but, um, but you know what, man, I, I know that, uh, the one that I, that I wake up to and I've been saying this to myself is just be the best that you can today for those around you and those that you'll encounter. It's great advice. Okay, man, we're, you know, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting close to no, it. No, we're getting oh, to the nitty man. gritty, man. So, yeah. you know, looking at everything that we've talked about, you know, and uh, the transition that you've had and the growth, you know, and things that we've talked about, and especially with what's going on in the country today, you know, if, if, uh, if you were to give advice to this president based on your background and things that you've seen and been through, what, what would you tell this guy? I heard a podcast not too long ago and one of the guys said lead with love and it, it was suitable for, I guess, with everything that's going on. I liked, I liked how he said that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that one. It's, it's lead with love, be a leader and, and, and do it with love. You know, um, couldn't be any more succinct than that and make so much sense nowadays with all the hatred going on. It seems like. It's, um, it's hard. It's yep. tough, man. So yeah, what is, um, Gonzo, what is, what does freedom mean to you? Um, you know, it's to, you know, live a life in which you're not oppressed. You're not judged. Me, well, let's be honest. We're always going to be judged, no matter what. Good, bad, doesn't matter. Um, freedom is just to live, man. To just live. You know, that's good, man. Simplicity is, you know, you you, you know, you give deep answers, I, and uh, you know, I I can't fluff it up, man. I'm not that type of guy. I'm not going to give you a fluffy answer. I'm just, you know, yeah. I keep it simple, but I, I, you know, to me, it's just, it's just simply just, just live, you know, I, I look, I'm looking at my kids right now running on the grass, you know, and I'm just like, that's freedom to be able to see that, to be able to see them grow, to be able to, to enjoy them. That's my freedom. Well, we know yeah. that you're coming up, you're getting ready to start school here at the end of the summer. Some things got knocked back and, uh, yeah. yeah. we're, um, congratulate you on your deep sea diving diploma. You know, you obviously completed SEAL training and that. So it says something, man. You know, anytime you can get in the water and do those kinds of things, it means a lot. Um, yeah. You know, congratulate you on your family and congratulate you on the journey. You know, I know that we had met, you know, through an SF guy, you know, mutual friend. Yep. Um, and Gonzo does something very, um, very heart rendering in his spare time. You know, he, he made a wooden... United States flag 
you know, in subdued olive green and black stripes. Um, American flag for the wife of uh, one of the SF guys that we lost um, uh, that would have that had a real hard time since his transition after seven deployments. And um, he uh, had checked himself into a center, but Gonzo made this flag and sent it. And we're still waiting to make the presentation. Some things with COVID's gotten away, but uh, when Gonzo does these flags, um, he doesn't do them because he makes any money. He doesn't do them because he asks for any money. He does them because he speaks. He speaks through his fingers and his 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 hands to make these flags, and every single one of them is um, is an expression of his heart and soul. And so, how can people? How can people get in touch and find out more about you, Gonzo? And uh, if somebody's looking for help, what's the number they can call you if you could share that? Absolutely. My number is 516-642-4342. If if I don't answer at that moment, hey, just I'll get back to you, you know, and, and I'll do it as quick as I can. All right. I'm also on Instagram, OP5, Oscar Papa, five underscore tactical. Just send me a message, you know? It, yeah, I, I'll respond. Absolutely. And the thing is, you're not, just remember, you're not alone. You know, uh, I like that phrase where it's been there, done that. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. man. I've been there, done that, you know? And the thing is, you know, I, I've gone through the stuff already where, I know exactly what you're going through and uh, you're not alone. Does it, it doesn't matter. You know, I had to learn how to let go of those burdens a long time ago. And, and you know what? They were, they were becoming cancer to me. And uh, that's no way to live. It really isn't. No, it isn't. Um, thank you for sharing all your wisdom today, Gonzo. You know, we've been talking with U.S. former Navy U.S. SEAL, Marvin Gonzo Gonzalez. Uh, he's up in the Long Island area. He's uh, his story has been freaking incredible with a lot of good wisdom, and uh, just want to wish you um, safety and want um, to wish your family well and Godspeed during this time for America. And uh, I can just say um, that I'm humbled to be your friend here. Uh, we've only talked on the phone and texted, but. I just appreciate you, Gonzo, sharing your story about your family and your time in a service serving our great country. And uh, it means a lot. And uh, for you, those who are listening to us, to Gonzo and me talking squat, uh, we appreciate you listening as well. And uh, we wished everybody out there safety. And um, Gonzo, you got the last word, brother. Yeah, no, uh, thank you so much for, for the opportunity. Believe it or not, this is my first time doing this. <laughs> and, uh, no, man, you freaking yeah. fooled me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really did. I just, uh, I prayed about it before, man, because I just wanted it to, to come from the heart. You know, that that's me. That's me, you know. Uh, there's more to me, you know, uh, but I know due to time. But I really hope that uh, those of you who are listening, you got something that will lighten up your day if you're in a dark spot. You know, iron sharpens iron. I kept saying that to to one of my buddies where, um, that, that I met, that he's, he's a brother to me, you know, but I met him when uh, I went to rehab. And, um, you know, there, there's some, oh man, there's so much more to my story that, you know, due to time, but, you know, just know that. We'll hit it up uh, again, man. Don't worry. We'll hit it up again. But for those of you that are listening, God bless you. Um, we'll get through this time and, you know, just, uh, learn how to just, uh, 
just take it easy, you know, take it easy, you know, just like, don't lose your shit today, lose it tomorrow, you know, just, just chill today. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good, man. Thanks, Gonzo. God bless America, man. God bless, man. Thank you. And, and, uh, I'll talk to you soon. You know how to reach me. Roger that. Before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free, and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken. Yeah.